Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. On Wednesday, July the 14th, we've actually got a bonus edition of the Kent Online podcast for you today. Former Gillingham footballer Jason Brown has been speaking after several England players were subjected to abuse following their Euro 2020 defeat to Italy at the weekend. The ex-goalkeeper has also suffered racism and believes now is the time to take a tough stance. More than a million people have signed an online petition calling for racists to get a lifetime ban from games in England. Social media firms are being told to take more action and the Prime Minister has been accused of previously failing to condemn fans who booed players taking the knee. Well, Jason has joined me from his home in San Francisco to chat about that, his role in America and maybe one day coming back to the Jills. Well, firstly, I mean, it's great to see you. Thanks ever so much for, for chatting to us. Um, I'm guessing you were watching the game at the weekend. Did you manage to see it at all? I, I know, obviously, you you would be loyal to Wales, but, but were you keen on watching England at the weekend? Yeah, it, I think the tournament in a whole has been a great spectacle. Um, you know, Italy have reinvented themselves in the way they play. Italy have always been known as a team that is patient, build up, defensively very strong. Once they score one goal, that's it. They'll lock up shop where this tournament for me, Italy, were very explosive and incredibly aggressive with their play um, and created a lot. And for me, they look like the best team from the minute get-go. They, they look like they... As soon as that whistle went, boom, that was it. Where other teams, like the Belgians and that, that would have been regarded as the favourites, seemed to try and feel their way in. And England had a strategy. Um, Gareth Southgate has, has been working on that strategy for years. That's why I think there was a lot of changes. Um, because I believe that they prepared very well for every possible outcome. And that's why there was a lot of changes. So it was just going to be a good spectacle, and it was. Um, as a Welshman, I'm I'm not so sad that England lost, but you know I think they represented uh, the UK extremely well. I think Wales did. I think Scotland did as well, um, and the best team won ultimately. That that's all it comes down to. The best team won. Obviously, for England fans, it was a disappointing result. But I think for everyone, what happened afterwards has been far more disappointing. What was your reaction to that? Well, I have to say, is it disappointing? Um, Because when you use the word disappointing, that means there's an element of surprise. There's no surprise in what was was going to happen. You know, I've got text messages now where I sent to my children and I sent to my friends. As soon as that happened, I said, guys just stay off the street because now it's just going to explode. So am I, I say disappointed. It's difficult to say disappointed when you knew something like that was going to happen. Um, It it was always going to happen. It's been brewing for a long time, even since the players took the knee Um, and the prime minister then told the country that they're allowed to boo them, that they're well within their rights you're setting them up, right? You're setting these guys up. I was looking back at past articles that we've got on Kent Online and we'd had a chat with you back in 2012 about what you'd been through. Mm -hmm. It just seems 
unbelievable that almost 10 years later we are talking about the same thing i mean would you say any nothing's changed has it of course not it's, it's people say of course when like my dad first came over to the uk things were a lot different when and when i was growing up things were a lot different I've, i think everyone's seen in the newspaper probably there or on social media the picture of the how of the flats where the flags were at and i saw that and i was actually going to repost that and say that was my battleground and when i was young that was my battleground do you know how many fights i had around there just from being black just from playing football that's where i grew up in and around there so as it got better in in one sense yes because there's more there is a more diversity in workspace places. Um, it's not the extraordinary to, for a black person or a person of color to walk down the street now. It's, 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 it's got better, as I said, in one sense, but it's got worse, a lot worse in another. What was it like for you when you were playing? I remember the first one, I think it was Chesterfield away and I was playing for Gillingham and I was going to get my bottle out of the goal. And, as a young player, that was a surprise. I say surprise. It was it was the first time I had racism shouted at me, literally four foot away, um, since I was a young kid. Um, so that was a nice. And then obviously playing for Wales in Serbia um, and having them things that you know they always they still resonate with me. It, it was always difficult. As I said that that picture that they so, that they probably showed in the paper and that's been on social media media that iconic picture as i said that was my battleground just because i was black um and it is sad um because marcus rashford for example footballers have this stereotype of party and womanizers drink too much gamble too much, driving flash cars. But he's done something that a majority of the country just turns a blind eye to and does nothing. He's put food on kids' tables when during the pandemic their parents couldn't. And a lot of them parents be the ones call it, calling him a monkey and stuff like that. That's the ironic thing here, is a lot of them are going to be them people. The politicians that come out and say stupid things, he's doing their job. And that's what happens. People, this ain't a black and against white thing. With what black people have had to historically been through, are probably the most forgiving race on this, work, on this earth. Because could people really be upset if they was just to turn around and say, right, we're going to sit down tools. And they are English people. These are born black people. And this is what happens. And it comes, it does come from the parents. But as I said to you, it comes from the top because you have the prime minister. People may say, oh yeah, he came out the other day, condemned it. But the damage is already done. Because he already opened up the door. The horse, what's the saying? The horse is already bolted. So with him coming to say that, that's easy to say after the fact. That's no, lead, that's no different from 
the leader in or the previous um, president in America is after the fact you can say it, but you, the damage is already done. You knew what you was doing. You're an intelligent guy. They're strategic. They know what they're doing and they've done it. And that's the difficulty we have here is you have the leaders doing it, then the parents following it, the kids see it, and it's just going to continue, continue. The players who've been subjected to this abuse, they're, they're really young lads. I mean, I don't quite know how you deal with that sort of thing. I mean, the part of me would just say, do you know what? I've had enough. I don't want to be put in the spotlight. I don't want to have to walk to that penalty spot and take another kick for my country. I'm, I'm done if that's how you're going to treat me. Did you ever feel like, do you know what? The, I'm not putting up with football if this is what it's like. I mean, it, it's called the beautiful game, but at times it's incredibly ugly, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it is. It's the most rewarding I believe sport you can do, you know, in regards of you travel the world, you see some amazing places that I could probably, it'd be easier for me to list the countries that I haven't been than I have. And that's all through football. And that's through my hard work and dedication that's got me and, it, and enabled me to be able to do that. And the, op, the horrible side of it is obviously the mental health that comes with it. And there is that racism and there was that time when I was at Aberdeen and I've been racially abused, gave it to the police and the police done nothing. They chose to do nothing. And then I, I'd done a few shows. I'd done the footballers football show and then people were saying, oh, if you say something once, does that make you a racist and stuff like that? And that's when I realized, do you know what? I've helped, I'm like many black people before me and many black people or people of color after me. We've, we've molded this game. That game in that the big billion dollar um, business you have, the Premier League, that's molded by people of colour as well as white people. And probably the percentages are higher. And this is what happens. And then all of a sudden you have a Super League. What happens? The Prime Minister gets involved. All of a sudden they're talking about stopping this, stopping that. They won't play for their country. So they showed their power very, very quickly showed their power and with something like this they won't and then you see with racism you see with equality um every type of discrimination there is there's oh we'll i'll tell you what we'll do we'll give you a lovely rainbow car that carries out the ball that shows our support but then they won't condemn a stadium or a country they give a country a tournament that wants to rip down flags of gay pride and stuff like that. It's like, okay, so you want to send that lovely car, but then you go and give a country that is openly racist, openly homophobic. You want to go and give them a prestigious tournament and the spotlight. Like, come on, guys, you're just doing it. Just you be. I think people will respect them more if they just said, you know what, we don't believe we. We don't believe in these campaigns. It is what it is. Get on with it. It's sad. It is so sad. And these young footballers, and not just young football players, because there's people out there, there's young people, as I said, I had to tell my son and my daughter to stay off the streets. It's sad that this is where we're at. And as I said, this is not me saying this is all white people, but this is clearly a white issue that they're asked, that they continuously come to black people to resolve. We give the answers and still nothing happens. Um, and as I said to you, this is not about black being white thing. The most 
precious thing to me in the world is my mum and she's white. And it's just, it's incredibly sad that we're still going through this. And for me, I don't see it getting any better. I just see it getting worse now. And again, as you said earlier, I mean, these are English guys. <laughs> I think they've probably got the best person there in Gareth Southgate to, yeah. to be supporting them at the moment. I mean, he seems yeah. to have done an, an incredible job, doesn't he? What would you like to say to them though? If you could speak to them now, what would you like to say to those, to those three in particular? You know, I read some of Marcus Rashford's tweets and he has everything to hold his head up about. They all do. They all do. You know, I saw the team of the tournament. You've got Carl Walker at right back and then you've got Harry Maguire, centre-back, and then you've got uh, Raheem Sterling. And these guys should be very proud of what they've done, not only because of playing for England, the percentage, the, the chances of becoming a, a, a premiership footballer is less than 1%. And they've achieved the impossible. There's a lot, the, peop, the, the problem you have, there's a lot of jealous and envious people out there that can't do that. So they revert to other ways and they try and put people like that down. And, you know, you look at what Raheem Sterling does when he comes out and he talks about things, he talks about racism and quality and how he's brought that to the attention. You look at um, Tyrone Mings. I know Tyrone he speaks extremely well, articulates himself extremely well. Um, again, for the better good, to try and make this country better. That's what they're talking about here. Not, they're not just talking about themselves. They're trying to make this country better and, and respected. And in Gareth Southgate, what you have is, you have a man who came through Crystal Palace when, you know, David of um, Pali was there, as well as Richard Shaw, other black players. So, yeah, you, have, you do have a good guy in charge, for sure, because you have a guy who doesn't, look at it seems to me and just speaking to one or two people who know him doesn't seem to doesn't look at people's color of their skin he looks at he looks at them as individuals and the right ones and then you go through the whole england system i guarantee if you go through the whole youth system they're majority black they're majority black so that's what's to come is more young black players and they have nothing to be ashamed. They have nothing to be ashamed or scared about. Because do you know what? Whatever anyone wants to say, they still will watch them. And this is the thing to racist people. I say to them, you guys have showed your level of intelligence because that top you wore is worn by a black person. The team that you cheer is full of black people. So if you're so racist and you're so anti, why are you going to support something that supports diversity, equality? Wouldn't you be better off just saying, well, we don't support them, let's just go and support Russia or something like that? That's my thing to the, the racist people. Well done, guys. You showed your level of intelligence. We're weeks away now from the start of a football season when hopefully all <clears throat> things going well, we will have fans back in stadiums again it's not like we can wave a magic wand and all of this goes away and everyone just accepts everyone for who they are but what would you like to see happen if there are incidents within football stadiums you know there's plenty of cameras now there's so much social media people with their phones filming and what have you there's a petition online today saying any case of racism whether it's online 
in a stadium, whatever, you, you ban those people from football for life. I mean, what would you like to see happen at the start of the new season so that we really do set a precedent and say this is how we're going to deal with it? Is that for sure you ban these people for life? No two ways about it. You ban these people and what you do is, is that the football clubs, if it happens, it's difficult for, the, I do understand it is difficult for the football clubs to to police to a certain degree. If you have an instance like we've seen plenty of times on Sky Sports and various uh, different TV channels, when they do the zoom in on the player, you see someone doing a stupid mo monkey chant behind. I think if that type of thing happens, you get one warning, the next one, <clears throat> you deduct the club three points. I think if England, again, was, they're supposed to be the, the superpower, I think should um, do like they was going to do with the Super League. Countries that are, hope, that are openly homophobic, that are openly racist, they should say they should not be allowed to, to compete in any type of tournaments. And they can say, well, that's not fair on the people. Unfortunately, life ain't fair and doesn't people of colour know it. And people of different uh, genders um, and sexual preferences know it. We know it. Life ain't fair. But that's, that, to me, says you're serious about doing something. We shouldn't have to be asking for acceptance. We're way past that now. But unfortunately, a lot of people still out there feel that they are the superior. They, they, they should, should be looked upon that. But in football, what needs to happen now is some serious action, not words, not these silly badges. And I know, I know the people that do them and they've done a lot of hard work, but it needs to be more than just words now. Action needs to happen. Deduct three points. Stop handing out stupid fines. Deduct three points. When you start deducting three points, I'm telling you now, people start getting their house in order a lot more. You need to implement the, the Rooney rule. I said that years ago. I think I had done the interview with the Footballers Football Show in roughly about 2013, if I'm right. And I said it has to come in then. It has to be now. You know, the Premier League clearly don't want to do it. No, if the government is serious and they want them to say they're about equality and diversity, would well then make them do it because you made everyone else do it. Let's get it right. Make UEFA implement these rules or don't be part of it. They can't afford to not have the, the English team part of it. And people may look at that and say, well, that's, that's quite extreme. But that's where we are because racism is an extreme. How many people have died because of racism? The, the numbers, we don't, if we be honest, we don't even know the numbers. The numbers are that big, we don't even know them. So why can't the extreme, or what's perceived to be the extreme, happen? Thanks ever so much for chatting to us. I know Gillingham fans obviously remember you very, very fondly. And I'm, I'm, I hope, hope that you um, remember your days at, at Jules fondly, but I'm sure they'll want an, an update on, on kind of what you're up to. So you're over in, a, in America. Can you tell us a bit about what you're doing over there? Yeah, I'm coaching at uh, an academy um, in America. Um, that's a spin-off um, from Juventus, from Italy. So I'm coaching over here. I'm enjoying it. Um, it's good working with the young kids. I enjoy working with young kids, um, trying to have an impact on their lives. Um, and it's good. You know, it's, it's tough. America, as I said, is a great country with so much 
great potential, but they're still similar to the England. There's still a lot of things like that, the discrimination that holds the country back. But yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying coaching. I'm working mainly now in the women's side of the game, which is brilliant. I really enjoy. Um, and, you know, when you work in that side, you kind of see how um, equality for, for women is still there. You know, there's women's, though the US team is doing, the national team is doing so well, it's only really that outside of that, the women's game is really suffering here. Um, and I'm just hopefully trying to make a difference in that and helping the, the good young players come through. So you've been out there for a couple of years. You were saying you haven't lived back, back here in the UK for a while now, but what, what do you see? How do you see your career going? Are you going to head back at some point? We'd love to see you back again, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I would love to be given the opportunity to possibly manage uh, Gillingham, if I'll be honest. I think that's the only one that would really entice me back. Um, you know, Gillingham is is still close to my heart. I still look out for the results. I've done one or two interviews with some fan hubs and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it's a great club. Um, and they're still surviving. And, you know, whether you love or hate Mr. Scully, he's kept that club afloat one way or another. And you've got to give him a lot of respect and props for that. And I do. Um, you know, and it's good to see the likes of Gillingham still surviving, still in there. And Steve Evans obviously done a done a good job last year. Um, it's difficult because the power clubs, the derbies and stuff like that that are up there that we once beat and once equal with, they're really pulling away. And the money, the money is a big, big factor. But we we still seem to be in there fighting away and it's just great to see. It's great to see a, a club of that size with that stadium still in and amongst the, there are big clubs down there now. Um, so yeah, I still watch and hopefully, as I said, maybe one, maybe I will put my CV in as and when the job becomes vacant, but I don't see that coming vacant for, for a while because he is doing a really good job and, and hopefully he can continue doing a great job. Yeah, he's doing a very good job. So agonisingly close to the playoffs. I mean, obviously the past couple of seasons haven't been easy. We'd love to be back in the, the dizzy heights of the championship. It would be it would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, that that would be great. When we was in there, it was it was an amazing time. And especially for me being a young football player, being a young player and and you know, playing against the likes of the Ravenellis and and you know, Andrew Coles and, and people like that. Um, it was great. It was great for me and it'd be great for the club if they could get in the championship, I think. Um, but unfortunately, the championship is, is a real powerful league now with a lot of money and investment in there. And, you know, it would just be great to see Gillingham go back in there. But, you know, I think it would be extremely tough for them as well. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can, of course, keep up to date with more sport at kentonline.co.uk and by downloading the IM News app, just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.